says uh, that we are to rejoice that our names are written in heaven. Lord, that you have provided salvation and redemption and freedom in your name. Lord, I wonder how it looks from heaven to receive our praises. Jesus, I wonder how it looks from heaven to hear our prayers. How wonderful, how amazing, how big you really are, Jesus. God, how loving you are as a father. Holy Spirit, how inspiring you are in my life. Lord, we are so grateful for all of you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are so grateful for all that you are. Jesus, for the needs represented in our church this morning. God, I want to take a moment and say, Lord, you have answered some serious prayers. And we are so grateful. Lord, we are grateful for, for the jobs that have come through. Uh, for the hospital stays that, that are finished. Lord, for the ways that you provide for our physical needs. Lord, we pray because we believe that when we pray, things happen. Lord, and that you change the dynamic, you change what we go through, and you impact the world around us. So, Lord, we pray this morning with a holy boldness God, that the deepest prayer requests that we could ever utter, Lord, you know them. And you are willing, you are wise, and you are able to fulfill everything that we could ever need or ask for. Jesus, we love you this morning. We trust you this morning, but not just this morning, but every single day. Lord, would you be about our conversation today? Would your holy presence pierce our hearts? God, would, would we not walk away from truth, but walk towards it? It's in Jesus' heavenly and holy name we pray all of these things. Amen. Good morning talked with most of you. Oh, hey there. Um, good morning. I, uh, I'm excited. We're starting a new sermon series. I'm excited for two reasons. One, I really love the topic of this next one. Two, man, that last one was long for me. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm really excited for our new sermon series, and I think I have a graphic for you that might be able to come up now. But if it can't, it's okay. It'll come up. There you go. Look at that. Pray like Jesus. Now, uh, have you ever had somebody in your life that maybe has passed away um, that had an incredible prayer life? Uh, most of us have those people. Somebody that, you know, at the end of a long day, you knew that you could come to them and they'd say, I'll be praying for you. And you actually believed them. Have you ever had those people in your life? Uh, 
one of the people in my life, which is, I don't know, I think it's a beautiful story, but uh, my niece Mia, she was uh, just shy of two years old when she passed away, and it's been about six years since we lost her, which my heart breaks every time I think about missing out on her growing up. But Mia was not a talker. Lola is a talker. And if you've met her, she's a wild child, okay? And so Mia learned from an early age she didn't really need to say anything because <laughs> Lola spoke enough for the both of them. <laughs> However, Mia was so adamant about us praying. I can remember when she learned how to pray, um, we would sit at the dinner table, she'd be in her high chair, and she would clench her little not even two-year-old hands together in the cutest way possible, and then she'd glare at us. <laughs> and she'd wait. And we'd pray, and if I also can remember that one time we rushed through the prayer, and she sat and glared at us. <laughs> until we prayed again. There were times that I remember praying like three or four times during the course of a, a family dinner uh, because Mia loved to pray. And I wonder sometimes what Mia would tell me now that she sees the other side of heaven. You know, I wonder if there's a place in heaven, a balcony where you just watch prayers rise to Jesus's throne. And I wonder what she would say to me on this side of heaven. You know, I don't know what she would say. Maybe she would say, you know, man, you complain a lot. <laughs> maybe she would say, maybe she would just look at me and just glare at me, and I would know what she would say. Maybe, and what I would guess that she would say is, Lindsay, you have no idea the power that those prayers have. Now, I miss me a lot. Some days I, I miss my mom quite a bit. And if I know my mom, I think she would say, Lindsay, you need to pray more. And she would give me a very similar look as Mia gave me at the dinner table. See, prayer is this thing. It, it is mystical. You know, it's beautiful. It's this personal connection. It's also something that we express as a community. It's inspired by God himself. And yet, if I asked you, do you pray enough? What would your response be? Probably not. And if I asked you, do you think you should pray more? You'd say, yes. It's this thing about our relationship with the Lord that is beautiful, but also somewhat unattainable. It's beautiful and, mis and wonderful to be a part of, but it never feels like I really get it right. And, and Jesus, it was crucial to his ministry, prayer was. Uh, the disciples, when they're following Jesus, they never ask him once, like, man, you're a good preacher. Tell me how to preach like you. You know, they asked me. Just kidding. Uh, they never said, wow, you performed miracles. Tell me how to do that. You know, teach me some tricks. They never even said, Jesus, you live an amazing life. Tell me how to live like you. No. What they did say was, Jesus, teach me how to pray like you. Luke 11, verse 1 it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And it's interesting to me. 
Jesus' prayers were powerful, and there was something different about them. The disciples looked at him and said, He knows something that I don't know. He gets it. I don't get it, but I know he does. And this is what happened a lot of times. Luke 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Which is a little curious to think about, isn't it? Now that we know like, that he's a part of the triune God who was there at the beginning of time itself, who created the world, and yet he took time to draw off to lonely places and pray. It seems that the one that knew the most prayed the most. And so I wonder what he knew. I want to propose something to you this morning, and that is that if, if you knew what Jesus knew, you would pray like Jesus prayed. If you knew what Jesus knew, you would pray like he prayed. And so I like to pray at the beginning of every series, and it feels a little self-serving this time since we're talking about prayer, but we're going to pray uh, for the Lord to just completely envelop this, this series. So Jesus, if we have been praying for years or minutes, God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us through this series, Lord, that this wouldn't be about anything but being closer with you. Lord, we ask that, that you would help us to become better prayers, Lord, to become more fervent and, and committed to it, Lord, to be people uh, that pray like you. So Jesus, this morning as we learn the things that you knew, God, I pray that they would uh, infiltrate our lives and that it would change how we talk to you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to start. We're going to go all over the place today, but Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6, this is when the disciples ask Jesus how to pray. And Jesus' response is to say, this is how you should pray, which is like really awesome, right? You know, when you ask a question like that, hopefully the response is, here, let me show you. And so he gives them what's called the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verse 9. And I don't know, if you know the words, sing along. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, there are things that Jesus knew on that side of heaven that maybe we miss out on. And so I want to look today, and if you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to do so, um, I want to look at the very first phrase of how he taught us how to pray. And it's five words, and they're going to be on the screen. They're also going to be on this board. But if you can't read my handwriting, just don't tell me about it. Um, look on the screen, and it'll be fine. Okay, so the first five words are pray, our Father in heaven. Man, I thought I was going to run out of space, and I did it. Yay, team. Okay, so pray our Father in heaven. And the first thing that Jesus knew that we're going to focus in on today is that he knew that you cannot outgrow God. 
And if you're taking notes, this, this thing that he knew is evident in this phrase, in heaven. He knew that God was in heaven. And you guys are really good people, and I'm a decent one, but I'm never going to outgrow God. I'm never going to be able to outgrow heaven itself. And there are people around that would say, like, why do I need to pray? You know, my life doesn't really change when I don't pray. What's the point? I heard this quote this week by Kevin Myers, and it wrecked my life. He said, when you don't pray, you are saying just as much as when you do pray. When you don't pray, you're saying just as much as when you do. When you don't pray, you're saying, I don't need it. My life does not need it. I have outgrown God. I don't talk to him because really my problems are too big for him to handle or deal with. Now there's an interesting story in scripture. Um, When Jesus is growing up, he's 12 years old. Um, Has anybody ever had a 12-year-old before? Okay. 12 years old. Mary and Joseph commit a big oops, and they lose him at 12 years old. I was reading it the other day. They lose him for three days. Three days they lose a 12-year-old. A whole human, okay? A whole 12-year-old human. And they're looking everywhere for him, and they cannot find him. And finally, three days goes by, and they find him in the temple. And they go like any parent would. What in the world were you thinking? (laughs) Like, why would you do this to us? Why wouldn't you come home? Where were you? You made me so anxious and nervous. And this is what Jesus says. In reply to that, he says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? At age 12, that's where they found him. And this is a pattern that carries on through Jesus' life. So many times the disciples wake up and they go, where'd he go? <laughs> they wake up and they say, where did he go? I don't know. You were supposed to watch him this morning. I have no idea. And every single time that they couldn't find him, when they did find him, he was alone in a lonely place praying to God. Jesus himself exhibited this, that you can't outgrow God. God. You don't get to a point. I think that we have this idea that there's like a sticker chart in the back. You guys remember sticker charts from Sunday school? I wasn't the only one, right? You know, you got one for attending, for bringing your Bible, for memorizing the verse and not spitting on your friend Billy, okay? Um, You got stickers, and there's no sticker chart in the back. There's no moment when God's like, wow, woo, she's got 15 gold stars. Guess she doesn't need me anymore. But we live a life that we think we outgrow him. But God, he says, I want to give you God-sized protection. I want to give you God-sized dreams and wisdom and, and power. And there's no point at which we say, no, we're done. I was actually talking to Pastor Valerie this week about this. Um, because, man, Jesus just keeps growing us. And how annoying is that sometimes, right? It's like you, last season, I, I made a huge commitment to the Lord and I changed drastically. This season, that's the new bar that has been set. And he continually grows me. 
because we don't outgrow God. The second thing that Jesus knew is that it's a heart-engaged relationship. That's a heart. You guys are all taking, oh, come on. All right, it's a heart-engaged <laughs> relationship. And this, this thing that he knew, mercy, uh, it ties back to this word, Father. At that time, God would, had always been the Father of Israel. But when he preaches this, he uses a different term for father. Up until this point in history, God has been the father of Israel in a terrifying, uh, judgmental, dangerous, reverend sort of way. But then he says, pray to our father, and he uses the word Abba, father, meaning he is holy and anointed, but he is loving and familiar. And Jesus himself, he showed this. He showed that he had a heart-engaged relationship with God. Uh, there's a story in Scripture of one of Jesus' best friends dying, Lazarus. And he goes, and we know the end of the story, right? Lazarus doesn't stay dead, as weird as that is. He does not stay dead. And Jesus goes, and he sees the pain that Lazarus's sisters are going through. He sees the wages of sin, which is death. And the shortest verse in history is written, Jesus wept. See, the Lord expects and he anticipates us to have an engaged heart relationship with him. Now, I want this to be like super practical for you. Um, so I, I want to share just a little bit about what my prayer life looks like. Um, so we have cars, right? And they do two, like I know there's a lot of things that you can do with a car, you know. Um, I couldn't tell you what they are because I don't really know about cars, I'll be honest. But mainly their function is stop and go, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You guys look at me like you've never had a car before. Come on, let's go. All right. So, so they have drive and they have park. My prayer life has those two gears. It has drive and it has park. Drive is what I would call the conversational, every single day conversation that I'm having with the Lord. From the moment I wake up, uh, I've challenged myself that I want the very first thing that I say to be about the Lord when I wake up in the morning. Now, if you have seen me in the morning, <laughs> you know that that's not like an inspiring, empowered, like profound thought, okay? But it's a thought nonetheless, okay? And Jesus gives us points for attendance. It's good. And so every single morning when I wake up, I have to take my dog Lucy outside to go do her business. And it's funny that, you know, her doing her business is an anointed moment for your pastor, but whatever, we'll take what we can get. And I go outside and I sit on the porch and in the quietness of the morning, I just say some simple prayer like, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I trust you. Or I ask a question, God, what do you want to do with me today? God, what do you want to accomplish through me today? And as we go through our day, we should have that drive prayer life. It's when you're sitting in the doctor's office and you pray for peace. It's when you're in a difficult conversation and you pray for the words to say. 
It's when you're at the store or at work and you have to make a decision. It's when you lose patience with somebody and God gives you a gut check. Have you ever gotten one of those? I had one recently. I was not patient with somebody, okay? And I came home and I explained to Valerie all of the reasons why I did not need to be the bigger person. (laughs) And I did not need to offer forgiveness and I did not need to talk to them about this because I had done my part and it was on them now. (laughs) And I sit down on my couch and the Lord says, Lindsay, you're a child of God and you do not get a free pass. (laughs) You get to be a child of God to every single person you meet, not just the ones you like. And I was like, come on, okay? (laughs) Man, you're always right. And that gets frustrating. Uh, But we have to have those kinds of prayers in our lives where we drive and we're in a conversation all day long. But let me tell you this. If I had a car and it had no brakes on it, that's dangerous, right? And I'm just going to keep going until I run out of gas, essentially. And a car without brakes... would be kind of useless. And in the same way in your prayer life, you need drive and you need park. Park is devotional. Park is I shut the door and I open my Bible. Park is I lay all of my worries and my needs aside and I just listen. Park is leaning in. Park is asking God what he wants to do. And listen, we need both. If we only have drive, you know, our relationship becomes very uh, self-centered. And if we only have park, our relationship with the Lord becomes kind of irrelevant. Imagine if you had a relationship with somebody, but you only texted them, like, really short text messages of things that you needed from them. And that's all the communication you had. I have some examples. Um, Got a speeding ticket. That was rude. Need more money in my bank account. Need more time in my week. (laughs) Need more food in the fridge. Need more love in my life. Need more time to relax. Could you do something about that? Man, this meeting is lasting forever. Please make it end. And this is what happens to our relationship with the Lord if it's all drive and no park. You can't build a relationship off of something that doesn't say every once in a while, we just stop and look at each other. And in marriage, like that sounds so barfy, but in just a relationship, if you don't have eye contact moments when you say, how are you doing? And how can I love you? We get drive and we get park. And then the next thing that Jesus knew, because I can see my married folks getting barfy on me already, I see who you are. Um, The third one is this, is that our, can you read that for me? Our is a bigger family. I can't write as fast as I can talk. That comes as a surprise to no one, I'm sure. Um, but this word, and I, you might have guessed it already, but this, this truth ties to... Uh, you guys are so smart. Okay, man alive. Okay, we're going to take this city by storm. We got it. All right, our is a bigger family. It's just a bigger family. Uh, this is basic 
understanding of Christianity, uh, when you decided to have a relationship with the Lord, God became your father. And maybe before then, maybe after then, I decided to have a relationship with the Lord. And guess what? We got the same dad. <laughs> Some of you guys are excited about that. Some of you aren't. But okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, but well, we have the same dad. Did you know in the entirety of the Lord's Prayer, there is not a single personal pronoun. There is no I, me, or my. There is only our and us. And that's important. That's noteworthy because when you accept Jesus in your life, you, can, you get a part of a whole weird family. Emphasis on the weird. John 17, verse 22. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience, now catch this, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know you sent me. Our unity vouches for Jesus's. It says, uh, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And you and I, we're in a family, so we pray together. But man, we've made it weird, haven't we? Have you ever felt awkward praying for somebody? We can, it's okay. If they're next to you, just don't tell them, okay? Like, have you ever felt awkward praying for somebody? It's weird. But you know what's weirder? Not doing it. Uh, let me show you what I mean. Uh, I go home every once in a while to South Dakota, and I visit my dad, and we hang out. And this year, I decided that above everything else for my birthday, I wanted a steam cleaner for my floors. Uh, I just really wanted one. I don't know. I get to a place where I get really focused on something and I need to like acquire or accomplish it and a steam cleaner for my floors was it. And so I imagine this. Now, end of the story, I got a steam cleaner from my dad and it was wonderful. Uh, My floors are beautiful, by the way. Anyway, so imagine if this would have happened. Imagine if I would have gone home to visit dad and I sat in the living room, dad on the recliner, sister on the couch, me on the other chair, and I look at my sister Erin and I'm like, you know, I really want a steam cleaner, Erin. You know what? Dad's really good at picking out steam cleaners. I really want Dad to get me a steam cleaner. Mind you, Dad is sitting in the corner, but I'm talking to Erin, and I said, you know what would be wonderful if Dad actually got me a steam cleaner for my birthday? And my sister goes, man, that would be great. Dad knows all about steam cleaners, and he loves you like a lot. I really hope he gets you a steam cleaner for your birthday. And I'm like, man, you hope it too? That's so awesome. And she's like, guess what? I'm going to leave, and I'm going to hope for it even more. And think about what it would feel like to be like my dad in that situation. (laughs) Hopefully he'd be listening. I don't know. But but he would probably be like, this is the weirdest situation ever. And also, is this a hint? Like, do they, do they see me? And yet we do this all the time with prayer. You know, we talk to somebody and they're like, man, I need a job. Will you pray for me to get a job? And you're like, yes, the Lord wants to bless you with a job. I know he's going to provide the perfect thing. <laughs> and then we run away and pray to God that they don't ask us to pray in that moment. 
and we get nervous, and it's awkward. But let me tell you, I don't say this often, it is only weird if you make it weird. You and I have the same dad. We may as well acknowledge that he's in the room. And we have to do this. We have to normalize this. And I want to challenge you, next time that you're talking to somebody and they ask you for prayer, you just do it. And I know some of you guys are looking uncomfortable at me. Oh no, she's telling us to pray in a church. But let me tell you what, it's not awkward. It takes like 30 seconds, seven if you're an introvert, you know, it's fine. You say, Lord, I, I know that you love this person and I know you want to bless them with a job. Give, give them this job in their perfect timing. Amen. Done. And I'm an extrovert and that was, that was pretty fast. See, we can do these things. And, and some of us, we say like, I don't have the right words to say. I don't know what I should say in that moment. And I'm not a good, oh, I hate hearing that. I'm not a good prayer. As if God is sitting up on his heavenly throne looking down at prayers, and he's listening to them, and then he's like, oh my gosh, angels, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Did you hear that alliteration? Oh, somebody's got to write that down and put it on my fridge. I'm going to answer that one. (laughs) No, (laughs) God loves us, and we should be able to be in a conversation with him. You don't need the right words. Let me tell you something, you're not that good. The Word of God gives you the power, not how powerful your words are. And we need to stop making it so darn weird. That's why Jesus says that when two or three are gathered, I am amongst them. It matters when we act like family. There's power in that, and we're missing out on it. Because if we knew what Jesus knew, we would pray how he prayed. The last thing that he he knew, and that's this, number four. God shapes life through prayer. And by process of elimination, this ties right to this word, pray. That God shapes our lives through prayer. That, that there's transformation that happens. And God has made it very clear that not everything in this world is predetermined. You know, there's a few things like Jesus showing up one day and then Jesus returning someday. Those are predetermined. I can't mess with them. But there's a lot of things that Jesus says, come to me. All who are weary, I will give you rest. Whatever you ask for in my name, I will give to you. Knock and the door will be opened. And I think that we've lost touch with the power that God has and the power that our prayers have. And let me tell you, when you say, my prayers don't matter, it is not that you don't believe in the prayers that you're saying, but that your view of God has shrunk. We've lost touch with who he really is. Colossians 1, verse 16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or power or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. 
and in him all things hold together. Man, like who needs coffee when you have that God on your side, right? I still need some coffee, but, but, but who needs that? Like he is powerful. Like you should be excited about that. He is all powerful, all knowing, all loving. In other words, he is able, willing, and wise. That's our God. And if we really believe that that was our God, man, wouldn't it change our prayer lives? You get the audience of the king of the world at your fingertips. And yet we take it for granted. We think it is too little to spend big time on instead of too big to spend little time on. See, Jesus knew that. He knew that prayer, it changes and it shapes our life. And we are forever different because of our conversations with the Lord. Now, um, I have a slide about restorative prayer that um, you can leave up, but we are starting a ministry at our church called Restorative Prayer. Uh, We've been training and leading up to this for about six months. Um, I've taken a team through some books and some trainings to do this, but uh, we're starting this ministry called Restorative Prayer. And the best way for me to explain to you what restorative prayer is, is through this morning service. One, it is something that is Holy Spirit-led, because you never outgrow God. Second, it is a heart-engaged relationship. We go back to some very painful memories, and we trust that Jesus is going to be there with us. Next, it's surrounded by some of the most anointed people I've ever met in my life, who pray over you, who who pray for you and with you, because our is a bigger family. And the last thing is that it shapes our lives. Now, part of being a part of this restorative prayer team is that you have to get a session done, and glory hallelujah they're a lot of fun uh, for the other people not the recipient sometimes and about a month ago I received a restorative prayer session and you go into this room and it's all people that you'd recognize and and you say these are the things that hold me back and weigh me down and then through Jesus's holy presence we go back to some memories A couple weeks ago, I shared with you that I was in a relationship with this pastor, um, and him and I were dating, and I just thought that my life was going to be happily ever after with him. And uh, sometime into the relationship, he started abusing me uh, physically and mentally. Um, And when that happened, I was so blinded, I didn't even recognize that it was abuse. And that's really common for victims of abuse. They don't realize it until it's too late or it's after the fact. Anyway, as a, as a good Christian would, <laughs> I just decided that I was going to stuff it down into this corner of my life. You know, I'd pray about it in secret, but it would never actually have to be brought to light. And I carried that weight for years. Until one day, um, these really pesky roommates of mine Um, got really close with me. And I trusted them enough to talk to them about it. And it felt so good. It was so freeing because our is a bigger family that I could share with my family what I had gone through. 
And so then I was like, wow, I talked about it. That's enough. We're done. <laughs> but then it still wasn't done. So, you know, I had some counseling about it. And I felt freedom from that. But at the end of the day, there was still this nagging in the back of my head that was like, you're not released from this. And so I went through a restorative first session, and we went through some very difficult memories, one of them being the first time he hit me. And as we're praying through this interactive prayer and we're looking at the, these memories on how they made me feel, on who I blamed, uh, on what was going through my mind, on the bitterness that I, I held on to, Jesus continued to just give me freedom. And that's only my story, but, but walking out of a session, it felt like I had a new lightness to me. That he had actually taken a spot where the enemy would have loved to tear me down. And Jesus says, I'm going to use this for my glory. Now, that's just my story. I and mean, I'm going to invite the worship team up here, but you're going to get to hear four other stories over the course of this month of people that have gone through a restorative session. Um, and my hope and my prayer is that you would resonate with some of them and that you would get some guts and say, I want to go through it. Um, it's not an exorcism. It's not an intervention. Um, it's not, you know, three hours of people just touching your shoulders. Um, it's beautiful and it's restorative. But it starts here. It starts in knowing what Jesus knew about prayer. It starts in knowing that I can't outgrow God, that I have to have a heart-engaged relationship, that I am a part of a bigger family, and that God changes things through prayer. So let me pray with you this morning. If you would take a posture of prayer this morning, and we talk about a posture of prayer as being whatever it looks like for you to seek the Lord. And I want to ask you, where, where in these four is God maybe nudging you this morning? Have you, thought, have you believed the lie that you have outgrown God? Is your heart not engaged in a relationship with him? Has it become routine? Do you need to step out and pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Or do you need to believe this morning that God is not done with you and he's going to shape your life. Jesus, I pray that wherever we fall this morning, God, that we would experience your Holy Spirit, your holy nudge, your holy gut punches. Lord, that we would experience who you are and that you would speak to us clearly. Holy Spirit, I pray for restoration all over our church and all over our community. Jesus, this world, this life is traumatic and it's hard for us not to be traumatized by it somehow. Lord, I pray that you would help us to let go of bitterness, to let go of the things that weigh us down and hold us back so that we can experience you even more fully. Jesus, we love you.